It is an honor for me to be here. I think I can join a long list of people um, around the country and really around the world that can talk about how much they have been impacted from this church, uh, Grace Covenant Church. And while I did not live here and I was not sent out from Grace Covenant Church, um, the pastors that sent me out from Orlando, Florida, uh, were actually pastors that were sent here, from here um, as well. And so I am family. So, and when I say family, it's not like second or third cousins that you see like once every three years type family, like the type of family that can go in your kitchen and open up your refrigerator and, eat, and drink juice without asking permission, that kind of level of family. So uh, we, are, we are family and it's a joy to be here. Pastor Brett Fuller for me has really been a hero uh, of mine for a couple of decades. He has been a standard setter. In, in my life in ministry and leadership and has been a source of encouragement and inspiration and so many other things as well. So, um, you know, just the fact that we're here in um, Northern Virginia, I didn't know if anybody noticed or not that we're in election season. I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe you guys hadn't really thought about it or heard about it or not, but just letting you guys know we're in election season. And um, don't worry, I'm not going to talk too deeply about politics. Um, this is my first time here. But, but the, the, the thing is, we all have different ideas of what would make things go better. We have our different issues, our different policies, and we have our parties, or maybe we're non-affiliated with a party. But at the end of the day, while we may have disagreements on how, we all have something in common is that we want things to go better. Can anybody at least agree on that? So we got, we got agreement at least on that part here. And really, when you think about this idea of things getting better, really, this is the, the sentiment that a lot of the Jews had during the time of Jesus' ministry. There was a sentiment that we are hoping that somebody can come along and make things better. And then when we look in the beginning of the Gospels, here comes Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and now things are going to get better. But what we find is that the way that Jesus is coming, he has an agenda that looks a little bit different than what the world expects. And so as he's coming, in the words of a good friend of mine and Old Testament theologian, Brian Russell, Jesus did not just come to make the world better. He came to make a better world. And the way that he was going to do that was by inaugurating a kingdom. What I want to do today is I want to look in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to look in chapter 1, and we're going to look at what happens when God's kingdom, God's kingdom comes into real intersection with our lives and with the challenges of the world around us. And so we're going to look in verses 21 through 28, if you could turn with me there. It says, they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out, with a loud voice and came out of uh, with a loud voice and came out of him verse 27 they were all amazed so that they debated among themselves saying what is this a new teaching with authority he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him 
Immediately, the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. I'm going to entitle this message today, Kingdom Authority. I'm going to talk about kingdom authority today. I think if there's anything that the world needs in this hour are the people of God to understand what kingdom authority is all about. Let's pray here as we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that we've had an opportunity to to experience even so far tonight. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the ability to worship you, the ability to, 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 to honor you. And Lord, I pray, God, we would continue in the attitude of worship as we hear your word today. Lord, we need more than information. I'm praying for transformation. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, when we look in the beginning of Mark, what we'll find is that uh, Jesus begins his ministry with uh, an urgent message, and it's a proclamation. You see it in verse 15 of chapter 1. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. In fact, this is really a good memory verse for us right here. If we can try to do this together, can we repeat this with, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. And so when Jesus is there, he's beginning his sermon, he's beginning his message, he's preaching about the kingdom of God. And I really believe that this really captures the essence of what his whole entire message and ministry was all about. And when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he's not simply talking about, hey, we get to go to heaven when we die. Now, that's a very good benefit package that we have as believers. But what he is talking about is much bigger than that. Jesus is not simply adding on another religion to the pantheon of religious traditions and saying, hey, I got another one to add in there. What Jesus is doing is much bolder, is much bigger than all of that. When Jesus is preaching about the kingdom of God, he is describing God's kingship, his rulership, and his authority, which is now coming. When you look back in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus told us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we see Jesus is preaching about the kingdom, and there's a proclamation about the kingdom in verse 15. But when we get a little bit later in our text, we don't just have a proclamation, we have a demonstration of what the kingdom of God looks like. And so shortly after this proclamation, Jesus calls a few fishermen to come and follow him which is just like Jesus to go find the most unlikely people, call them on the greatest mission. And then by the time we get to verse 21, we see that Jesus finds himself in a place called Capernaum. Capernaum was a place where a lot of the ministry of Jesus centered around. It was a small town in the region of Galilee. And what Jesus did is he went into the synagogue to begin teaching and preaching. Now, the synagogue was kind of similar to how we would think of a church building because that was the place where people would come and they would gather together for um, um, political debates. There were ceremonies that took place in the synagogue. And on Shabbat, which is Sabbath, they would come once a week to have a time to worship God together. So it would make sense that this would be a likely place that Jesus would go to begin his ministry and begin teaching. And while he's teaching there, what we see there in verse 22, it says that the people are amazed. Some of your translations will actually say that the people were astonished. You get the picture that they weren't just simply saying after Jesus finished, he's he's all right, good job, Jesus. 
No, no, no. This was something that they weren't expecting. They had not seen this before. And sometimes I kind of put myself in that place like, what would it be like to be in the crowd when Jesus was preaching? What would I think? What would I say? And, and, and so you get the response of people who had a chance to hear Jesus. First of all, you would not want to show up late to that meeting. And, and, and you'd want to, you know, of course, they didn't have those devices back then and spoke Aramaic, but we can use our imagination a little bit. Can you imagine being in that place when Jesus was teaching? It says that they were amazed. They had no place in their memory to say this was just like that. Because what they said was he was preaching or he was teaching with authority, unlike the scribes. Now, the scribes were those who were teachers of the law. They taught the Mosaic law. This was not necessarily downing them, but it was saying that what Jesus was doing is different. It's unlike anything we ever heard because he's teaching with authority. Now, growing up, I understood the importance of authority, especially having siblings. And so if I was to go to one of my siblings and I was to say to them, hey, wash the dishes, How do you think you would respond if your sibling told you that? You ain't the boss of me, right? It would be some type of response like this. So what I had to do was learn how to appeal to a higher authority. Mom said, wash the dishes. Now, that that brings some authority to it, so now the person who I'm speaking to can respond appropriately. Now, beforehand, what would happen when there were teachers of the law, they couldn't just speak on their own authority. They had to appeal to a higher authority than themselves. So many times they would say, well, rabbi so-and-so said this, prophet so-and-so said that. But when Jesus began to teach, he did not have to appeal to what this rabbi said or that teacher said. He would say, but I say unto you, there was a different level of authority that Jesus was teaching, and they had never seen anything quite like it. Now, this theme of authority is is really all throughout this passage, because if we were to skip over to verse 27, what we'll find is that there is a similar wording in what's said here. In verse 27, it says this. It says, they were all amazed. There goes that word amazed again. Why were they amazed? Um, So that they debated among themselves, saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? So we see in verse 22... And in verse 27, there's amazement, there's teaching, and there's authority with that teaching. Now, we see this. This really becomes a bracket for this whole passage because when we see it described in verse 22 and 27, in between these two verses, what we find is an illustration or an example of what that authority looks like in real time. And it tells us in verse 23, if we go back here, verse 23, it says, Just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Now, first of all, when it says unclean spirit, it can also say the words impure spirit. Or it's it's synonymous with a demon. So what this is saying is that there was a man who walked into the synagogue with a demon. Now, I think it's worth us pausing here for a moment because I want us to, to, to notice how, how comfortable it seems that Scripture is in talking about the spiritual world. Now, I know in, in our 
cultural context, it may seem a little bit kind of weird for us to talk a whole lot about angels and demons. And sometimes we can go to the extreme of saying, well, well, I I don't really believe in all that stuff, or at least I don't believe that affects my life on a real daily basis. And so that's relegated for the hyper-spiritual people, or maybe for Disney or movies or things like that. Or we go to the other extreme, and then the other extreme, we say, well, yes, I believe in it, but I'm so par- um, um, paranoid and scared about anything that seems, um, you know, talking about demons or anything like that, I would rather just not think about it, as if that has anything to do with our reality. If we don't think about it, they're not here. No, but, but, but if you find yourself today maybe discouraged or maybe scared when it comes to thinking about these things, there is something that causes demons to have nightmares. We'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later. And so what we find here is that there's this, this, this demon that comes into the place, and he starts trying to have a conversation with Jesus. He says, what business do we have with you, Jesus, of Nazareth? That was an idiom. It was a way of saying, not an idiot, but an idiom. It was a way of saying, don't mess with us. We won't mess with you. Why are you coming and messing stuff up right now, Jesus? We had a good thing going on here. And now you got to come in here. What business do you have with us? Are you here to destroy us? Notice a couple things. He uses the word us because even though there's one demon that's speaking here, there is probably a reflection of a myriad legions of demons being represented here. And he doesn't ask the question, can you destroy us? That's already understood. The question that's being asked is, are you going to do it right now? Like right now, right now? And so this is the question he's asking to Jesus, and then he lets him know, I know who you are. I know who you are. And then he says his whole name just to let him know he know who you are. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, you know what's interesting in, in, in the Gospels is that you'll find is that um, the, the, the ones that know who Jesus really is are the demons, and the ones that are still trying to figure it out are the religious people. Um, so you, you find that going on, but, but just a little bit amusing there. And so as you look here, it's like, I know who you are. Listen, the, the, the demons knew who Jesus was, even if everybody else around them did not. In fact, if you were to skip over to chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, You are the Son of God. Even the demons believe. And yet, Jesus, as if to ignore and bypass the whole conversation, he goes and he says, Be quiet and come out of him. And then you'll find as you continue reading that the demons had to leave. And what I find when I look at this is that whenever the kingdom of God comes in full authority, the kingdom of darkness gets disrupted. Now, I remember a few years ago, um, I I have an opportunity to serve um, as a chaplain for um, the Bearcats, you see. And and I can remember a, a few years ago when I was first starting to come around, I was going to one of their games. And parking during game day is really difficult if you don't have a special pass. And so um, I have a, a friend that has some property that's in walking distance from the university. And so um, I usually he would let me just park there for free. And so as I was going there, I was surprised to find out that the lot was full and there was somebody that was collecting money. 
And I actually happened to recognize the guy, but I wasn't expecting him because the owner didn't tell me about it. And so I happened to get on my phone and call the guy who owned the property. And I said, um, did you know that there's a lot of cars on your lot right now? And um, there's somebody who's collected money. And this guy, I don't remember the details of the conversation, but this guy is like, I had no idea. And so I was like, why don't you just have a conversation? So I go over to the guy who's collecting money, and, and you know what? Business was going pretty well for him, by the way. Um, uh, and, and so as I was, as, as I was going, I, I was like, hey, um, somebody would like to speak with you. And it was the owner. And uh, needless to say, I did not have to pay for a parking spot that night. Um, but also, what they, they had to work out some agreement where that guy had to pay him back some money. And I was like, man, you got a little bit of a business here. But here's what was happening. This guy was able to collect money because he was operating with false authority. And it wasn't until the person who had the real legitimate authority showed up that the one who had false authority was caused to have to take a back seat. And I want you to understand that, that Satan and his demons, they have been operating with false authority. And so Jesus now has stepped onto the scene and said, up. Oh, real authority has stepped onto the scene. And the kingdom of darkness has now recognized it. And I want to talk about a few things that happens when kingdom authority enters into a situation. Here's the first thing that we notice here is that there is authority to expose darkness. You guys, let's, let's go back to verse 23, and I want us to pick up on something here. In verse 23, it says this, and it's easy to bypass it, but if you slow down a little bit, maybe you'll notice it as well. It says, just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. Now, remember, the synagogue was the place of worship. You, you ever th think about the boldness of this demon. I'm not only going to possess this man, I'm going to walk right up into the place of worship like, yeah, I'm here. And, and it makes me wonder how many times has that demon showed up? Now, it's possible that that could have been the very first time it showed up, but, but I have a sense that it's probably not the first time. And, and yet, now it's, something's different because Jesus Christ is here, and there's an understanding that now I am found out. And there's something about when light comes that darkness gets exposed. And so this is what we see going on is that now this demon who had probably kind of been comfortable being there. Isn't it crazy how demons can be comfortable in a place where worship is supposed to be taking place? And yet now because Jesus has come in full authority, the demon is found out and there's exposure. This is why it's important that you don't find yourself just living in isolation because you might be carrying something that you need to be free from. Because sometimes demons look like a pitchfork and in a red suit, and many times they just look like a suit. But when the kingdom of God comes, darkness gets exposed. And it might get exposed in your home. It might get exposed on your job. It might get exposed on, in your classrooms for those who are students. But kingdom of darkness will get exposed because there's authority that has shown up. But there's something else that happens. When the kingdom of, 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 of God comes, there is authority to not only expose darkness, but there is authority to silence darkness. Now, I love this right here because when you get to verse 25, 
after the demon tries to have a conversation with Jesus, it says that he rebuked him, saying the first two words is what? Be quiet. Another, shut up. I'm not talking to y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, he's telling him, shut up. Be quiet. And, and, and it kind of reminds me of having kids in the car, you know, in the back seat when you're on the phone trying to have a conversation, and then they're, they're fighting. They, you know how it is. They wait right until you get on the phone to fight, and he's like, be quiet. Don't make me have to say it again. Now, this is how Jesus is talking to the demon, because if you look a little bit later, when you see other encounters that Jesus has with demonic spirits in verse 34, it says, he healed them, many of who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he was not permitting the demons to speak. Do you know that demons have to get permitted to speak in the presence of Jesus? Jesus has the ability to silence the voices. And, and it wasn't that what they were saying was inaccurate, because Jesus truly is, is the Holy One of God, but it wasn't their place to reveal the identity of Jesus. And so Jesus was saying, be quiet. It's not your place. Put the demons in their place. There's authority there. And, and you know, when, when Jesus speaks, the demons recognize the authority of Jesus, and so they obey. Now, it makes me think, do we have at least as much obedience as a demon? Um, because they, 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 they recognize his identity, and with that identity, they see the authority that comes along with it. And so there's authority when Jesus and his kingdom comes to expose darkness, to silence darkness. And here's the third thing I'm going to talk about here and spend a little bit more time in is overpower darkness. Because when you read here, he says, be quiet and come out of him. In the verse 26, you see what a temper tantrum looks like from an unclean spirit. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. And then in verse 27, they're amazed and they begin debating amongst themselves saying, what is this? They recognize that when Jesus commands, even the demons have to obey. He overpowers. And it's not like a really big struggle where it's like, okay, Jesus versus the demon. Let's see who wins. If you were, if you were watching this fight on pay-per-view, you would have been highly disappointed. <laughs> this wouldn't have been a good fight. Jesus overpowers the demon. There's no contest. But, but what you'll see here is that this guy who was once in bondage is set free. Now, what I find interesting when I look in this story is that there's different characters here in this story, and we get a chance to hear from all of the characters except for one. We hear from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We hear from the people who are in the synagogue. We even hear from the demon. Guess who we don't hear from? You don't hear from the man who is possessed by the demonic spirit. It causes me to ask the question, well, why don't we hear from them? It's almost as if this man is like a passive um, character in the story. No voice, no identity. We don't know the man's name. We don't know his opinion. And we don't know anything about him. All we know is that he's possessed by a demon. And in many ways, I believe he becomes a picture or a microcosm of what the whole world looks like under the grip and power of Satan. Lacking identity, lacking voice, lacking power to do anything about it. 
In fact, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, here's what it says about the whole world. Can we, can we turn to that? Actually, I got it right here. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says this. It says, we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And so the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So in essence, what Jesus Christ does for the man is what he's unable to do for himself. And this becomes a picture of what Jesus ultimately is going to do to make a better world is that he is going to do for us what we are unable to do for ourselves. And this becomes the gospel message that God became man. Some of you have heard this before. In the person of Jesus, he lived the life, that kingdom life that we were supposed to live, and he died the death that we were supposed to die in our place, which means that Jesus not only died for us, but he died as us. And when Jesus died, it looked as if the kingdom of darkness was winning, but three days later, something happened. What is that? He rose from the dead. Right? The story doesn't end on Friday. He rose from the dead, proving that he truly is the Son of God, offering salvation and forgiveness of sins to those who would repent from their sins. That means to turn away from sins and place their faith and hope in the true king. Now, after Jesus was raised from the dead, the Bible teaches us that he spent a period of about 40 days with his disciples before he went up to be with the Father in heaven. And in Matthew chapter 28, it shows us what happens in one of these visits because in verse 18, here's what Jesus says to his disciples before he leaves. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You guys know what all means? That means there's no place that you can go on God's green earth where Jesus' authority is not relevant. There's no power in in heaven or anywhere else that can stand up against the authority of Jesus. Because when Jesus said all, he meant all authority in heaven and earth belongs to him. But it doesn't end there. Because then in verse 19, he gives us a mission. He said, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. What is this telling us? It's saying the same authority that Jesus had to overcome the powers of darkness is the very authority that Jesus commissions us with. And so now when we are sent out, we are not just sent out with saying, well, let's just do our best. No, 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 we're sent out with authority wherever we go to make disciples. And that means there's going to be times where we're going to have to expose darkness. And there's going to be times where we're going to have to say, be quiet. And there's going to be times where we're going to see people struggling in their sin and saying, I have authority, not within myself, because I know I'm not intimidating to any demon. But I know with the authority that lives on the inside of me that Jesus has given us, I can speak to mountains and I can say move. I can speak to those who have found themselves um, in bondage to sin, in bondage to the powers of darkness. And I can say, get up out of there because Jesus Christ is Lord of all. This is the authority that we see in Scripture, and this is the authority that he calls us to live in. But here's the key. You know, in James, it tells us to submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And I heard this spoken many years ago, but it's stuck with me ever since, is that you will only walk in the authority that you're willing to walk under. 
And so the question at hand is not whether there is authority or not in the kingdom of God. The question is, are we truly submitted to that authority so that we can live in authority and do the mission that God has called us to do, not by our own good talents and strengths, but by the authority that Jesus Christ has given us? And my hope is that we would be a people that fully embrace his authority so that we can walk in authority. And that authority is able to overpower whatever things are keeping people in bondage and keeping people trapped. And I tell you that we're in an hour, as I said earlier, where the world needs the people of God to understand kingdom authority. What you'll find is if you read through the Gospel of Mark, this was just one of many encounters with demons that Jesus was going to have. And he shows his authority over the demonic He shows his authority over sickness. He shows his authority even over death. He has authority. So by the time you get to the end of Mark, when he calls his disciples to go out in Mark chapter 16, that last part of Mark chapter 16, we have seen all throughout the gospel his authority on display to give us confidence that we too can go forth with authority. I want to pray for us here today. I want to pray that God would call us for those who are not living under the authority of Jesus Christ, under the lordship of him, that that we would find ourselves turning from our false versions of gods, the little idols that we have given our affection, our allegiance to, and we turn towards God with our whole hearts. And for those who find themselves saying, you know what, I'm going after God, but I've not really understood the authority that God would open up our eyes to recognize his authority. Heavenly Father, thank you today. Thank you, Lord that you have all authority in heaven and earth. And God, I just pray today for those who have found themselves, Lord, loving the healing of Jesus, the redemption of Jesus, but hating the authority of Jesus. God, we repent of that. And I pray that there's a grace to truly trust you and turn to you with all their hearts. Jesus, we say yes to you. We submit ourselves to you. And as we do that, God, I thank you for the ability to resist the devil. God, I pray that you would help us to be a people that understand kingdom authority. And as we walk under your authority, God, that we would walk in the authority to expose darkness, to silence darkness, and to overpower darkness wherever it shows itself not by our own strength, not by our own might, but by your spirit that lives on the inside of us. We thank you today for our opportunity to be a part of your kingdom. And we pray together, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.